Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. month ago, I was standing in worship, and I was praying and just worshiping the Lord, loving the Lord, opening my heart to Him, and the Lord dropped in my heart and said, I want the next series that you talk about, I want you to call it, It's All About Jesus. And uh, it's all about developing a relationship with Jesus. I went home, and I prayed about it, and I've spent some time with the Lord about this, and I believe that these next few weeks, there's going to be some very... Uh, special things that's going to happen. I know that as I went home, I didn't just pull together some scriptures for me uh, or for you. I pulled them together for all of us, and I know that Jesus wants to draw close to our hearts, and he wants our hearts to draw close to him. So as we open up this series, it's all about Jesus. Would you open up your heart right now uh, to the Lord? Lord, we come before you. We thank you for the opportunity to know Jesus in our lives, our Savior, our Lord, our friend. And I pray that we would draw closer to him in Jesus' name. And all of us said, amen. Amen. You know, um, there's not a person I've ever met who doesn't believe in Jesus. I think if you Google the name Jesus, it's probably the most popular search that's out there. But it's not just do you believe in Jesus, but who is Jesus to you? There's a lot of people who believe that Jesus is, was a great teacher. Jesus was uh, you know, a rabbi. Jesus was a saint. Jesus is someone that died on the cross. If you ask people from all over the world, all religions, they know about the cross and they know about Jesus. But what I don't believe everybody knows and what the Lord wants us to know is your personal relationship with Jesus. Do you have one? Who is he to you? And that's what we want to talk about. I remember uh, I had a friend who I grew up with and he used to carry a keychain. I don't know why he carried a keychain. He didn't have a car. But, uh, but he did have a keychain, and he had a, a rabbit's foot on it. Well, why did he have it? It was a lucky rabbit's foot, and it was something that he felt like everywhere he went, it would help him on tests, it would help him uh, have good conversations, and it would just help him win games and things, and I don't know why in the world he had it. But that's why some people have a cross around their neck. That's why some people call the name of Jesus. Other people use Jesus as a life insurance policy, as uh, they just want to make sure they're not going to hell. And so they had to confess Jesus as their Lord and get baptized or whatever that means. But they, again, they don't know Jesus. Other people, uh, they, they look at Jesus as just a name to call out when they're in trouble. They're about to get in a car accident or something. And they go, Jesus, I'm in trouble. But they don't know Jesus, that Jesus is really a person. And that's what we want to talk about is the person of Jesus. So the title of my message as we get started is this, who is Jesus to you. Who is Jesus to you? And I think that's the question that all of us need to answer. The main thing that I want you to know today is this. The greatest revelation of your life is knowing who Jesus is. The greatest revelation that you can ever have in your life is knowing who Jesus is. I want to read to you a few quotes, and then we're going to go right to the words of Jesus. Um, It says, One author wrote, reared in a carpenter's shop, this young man gathered disciples about him and proclaimed himself as the Messiah. 
He taught and performed miracles for a few brief months, and then he was crucified. His disciples were scattered, and many of them were put to death. His claims were disputed, his resurrection denied, and his followers persecuted. And yet, from this beginning, his religion spread until hundreds of millions have taken his name with reverence upon their lips. And millions have been willing to die rather than to surrender the faith of which he put into their hearts. How shall we account for him? What do you think of Christ? It's easier to believe him divine than to explain in any other way what he said and did and was. William Jennings Bryan wrote. Another author, Dale Evans Rogers, said this, the most important question in anyone's life is the question that was asked by a poor Pilate in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 22. He said, what shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Christ? See, when you know Jesus, you gotta do something with him. He went on to say, no other question in the whole sweep of human existence is as important as this. It is the choice between life and death between meaningless existence and life abundant. And then J.R.R. Tolkien, he said this, it takes a, a fantastic will to unbelief to suppose that Jesus never really happened and more to suppose that he did not say the things recorded of him, so incapable of being invented by anyone in the world at that time. We must therefore either believe in him and in what he said, and take the consequences, or reject him, and take those consequences. And then last of all, Kevin DeJong, he said this, everyone who comes in contact with Jesus has rendered a judgment on him. Either ignoring him is a decision, uh, even ignoring him is a decision about his identity. See, everyone, it seems, has an opinion about Jesus. In short, Jesus is not someone that you can mention and just be easily ignored. Everybody has an opinion about Jesus. This was the scenario when Jesus was sitting with his disciples. He called them aside and he sat down with them in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. And it says this, let me read. New King James Version, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? See, this didn't just start in nowadays culture. This was back when Jesus was on earth. What do people say about me? And then they said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But then he asked the more important question. He said, not just about people, but who do you say that I am? You've been walking with me and talking with me. Notice he said, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter piped up and spoke as he often did. And he said, you're the Christ and you're the son of the living God. And Jesus said in verse 17, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Barjona just means son of Jonah. He said, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, you didn't hear this from one of your disciple friends or even me. He said, but my father who is in heaven, and I also say to you that you are Peter. That word is Petros, means a piece of a rock. He goes, you're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The word upon this rock is Petra. It's the larger rock. It's the, the rock, really, of Jesus Christ that, we're all, that we all uh, uh, have a foundation with. 
He says, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He says, and he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. So I want you to notice Jesus asked two questions. Who do people say that I am? But who do you say that I am? Which is the more important question. Then when Peter answered the right question, he was like, ding, 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 ding. You got it right. But he said to Peter three things. Number one, he said, the revelation of this didn't come from man. It came from, or didn't come from man. It didn't come from people. It came from heaven. It came from God himself. He said, number two, because of this, Peter, you're blessed. The word blessed just simply means happy or prosperous or life's gonna be better because you know this. And then he said, and Peter, you're Petros, you're solid. The more important thing that Jesus said was not just to Peter, but it was to the church. It was to you and I. And he said this, he said, and upon this rock, upon this revelation of who is Jesus to us, he said three things. Number one, he said the church is gonna be built solid and strong. One of the reasons why we wanna know who Jesus is is not just to know him as a person because like, hey, I know that guy. I know that dude. No, no, no. It's because without having Jesus in our lives, our lives can't be solid. Our lives can't be strong. I remember what life was like without Jesus. I was wishy-washy, so was Peter. But when Peter had that revelation, he called Peter a rock. When the church has the revelation of Jesus, there'll be a strong church. He said, upon this rock, the Petra, I will build my church. You know, there's some religions and some denominations that actually believe it was upon Peter that the church was built. And so they'll have uh, different leaders, the Pope and different ones that'll rise up and they'll say, because of Peter's revelation, that's why the church is so strong. But what Jesus said is upon this revelation of Jesus the rock, not Peter the rock, he said, I'm gonna build my church. In fact, let me just uh, share with you a, a few verses about that just so that you know how to back that up in case someone asked you about that, in case you were wondering. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 11. It says, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, it says, therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And who's that sure foundation? It's Jesus. It's not just our own doctrine or our own religion or our own faith or our own uh, ways that we, traditions and the ways that we do things. No, it's a person. It's Jesus himself that we need to know. That's what makes the church solid. Psalm 118, verse 22, spoken prophetically, said this, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And who was rejected? Jesus was. And who has he become? He's become the chief cornerstone in our lives. And then last of all, in Ephesians chapter two and verse 20, it says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophet, listen, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. It's neat how he says the, the apostles and the prophets were part of the foundation, just like Peter. Peter was a, a, a piece of rock or a piece of stone, and that's who we become, but Jesus was the chief cornerstone. Peter was a piece of the rock. And those, those with revelation has Jesus as the solid rock and the chief cornerstone. It's interesting because Peter, the one that he called solid, he writes these words 
by inspiration of the Holy Spirit in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And he says this, listen, coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices except to God, accepted to God through Jesus Christ. See, that's who we become. We become stones, but Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Listen, it's so important for the church, and the church isn't an organization, the church is people. It's so important that we pray that we would have a revelation of who Jesus is in our own lives, and we would know him as a person. I remember there was a gal that I grew up with, and she was just quiet and shy, and I mean, you'd ask her a question, and she'd barely uh, speak up and tell you the answer. And I remember after she got to know the Lord, after she opened her life up to Jesus, I mean, if someone came and said something to her, again, especially if it was against Jesus, she would stand up and say, no, that's not right. That's incorrect. I, and I remember looking at her and th- saying, Irene, what in the world has, has come over you? And she goes, I don't know what it is. What it was was there was a boldness. There was a strength. See, when you get to know Jesus, you have a boldness and you have a strength and there's something, you become convinced in the person of Jesus, not just something you read out of a book, but someone that you know and you can spend daily time with. We need to have a revelation of Jesus and that revelation of Jesus makes the church solid. Number two, a revelation of Jesus. Jesus said the gates of hell or Hades will not prevail against it. See, when you have a revelation of Jesus, the gates of hell won't prevail against it. You can come against spiritual opposition. Someone might say, oh, the enemy's coming against me. The devil's coming against me. Listen, if you have a revelation of Jesus, everything's gonna be okay. And you don't have to be afraid of the devil. Why? Because the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. In the book of Philippians, chapter two and verse 10, it says this, that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow of those things in heaven, those things on earth, and those things under the earth. The heavenly things and the earthly things, everything has to bow at the name of Jesus. So it's so important that you and I have a revelation of Jesus. We become solid, but also we can face the opposition that the enemy would want to have against us. One day, there's really going to be no argument. No, right now you could sit and argue and, and you're trying to you say, I don't know why my friend doesn't believe in what it is. Don't worry, one day there's not gonna be an argument. In fact, one day that friend you're arguing with, he's gonna bow and his tongue's gonna confess that Jesus is Lord. We just get to do it in advance. That's why we need to pray that people would have a revelation of Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter two, verse 15, it says this. Having disarmed principalities and power, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. See, Jesus came up to the, the enemy and he took their weapons away. He disarmed them. Uh, sometimes you may see that in a, a TV show where they walk up and the guy uh, tricks them and behind their back he slipped, slipped out the knife or he slipped out the gun and the person doesn't have any weapons to fight with. That's exactly what Jesus did with the enemy. He came and he took his weapons away. He, he disarmed him. And uh, I remember he said he made a public spectacle of them. It's interesting, he didn't just take away his weapons, but he kind of like made sure that he knew that he's not in charge. I remember I used to wrestle when I was in high school 
and I had sons who wrestled. And I remember uh, there was something that when you'd see great opponents that would walk out on the mat, they could pin people. I mean, within a minute, you could pin someone. But there was something about 15-pointing somebody. In other words, you, you wouldn't just put them on their back and pin them and get the match over, but they'd walk out and you'd take the guy down and then you'd let the guy back up and you'd get points and you'd take the guy down, you get points and you let him back up and you'd take him back down. And after just a, a, a couple of minutes, sometimes a minute or two, it just, the guy would have 15 points against him and he had to forfeit the match. It was almost like shame. In fact, you'd see sometimes that they'd go to 15 point and right before they call the match, they pin the guy. That's kind of what Jesus did to the enemy. He just said, I'm going to make a public, I'm not just going to defeat him. I'm going to make a spectacle of him so that he knows he can't win. Listen, Jesus is not afraid or concerned about the devil. But it's important that we have a revelation of Jesus in our life. Because with Jesus, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we become solid. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then Jesus, the last thing he said He says that if the church would have a revelation of him, that they would also have the keys, they would be given the keys of the kingdom. And keys represent authority. If you go to work for a place and they say, hey, I want you to open up, they're going to give you the keys. In other words, you have the rights, in a sense, to open the doors and you have authority over the whole property. Now, you have to use that authority according to what the owner says you have to do. You can't just do whatever you want to do. But you have authority over that property. Well, Jesus says, when you have a revelation of Jesus Christ, you'll be given the keys of the kingdom. In other words, you have authority in heavenly things. You have authority that when you speak, demons flee. When you speak, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Spiritual authority you have. And what we're supposed to do is, is take God's word and speak it and invoke the authority that Jesus has here on this earth. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, I just quoted to you, but I want to read it out of the Passion Translation. It says this, I will give you the keys of heaven, heaven's kingdom, realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven, and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. Interestingly enough, he's saying, find out what the, what's happening in heaven. And just like in heaven, the enemy's not winning, he's saying, take those things that are bound in heaven and loosed in heaven and, and speak those things and invoke the will of God on earth because God's given us authority in Jesus' name. Or another way to put it is, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. In other words, it's already this way in heaven. Invoke the will of God on earth. Another way uh, says, that which you forbid on earth must also be which uh, is already forbidden in heaven. And that which is permitted on earth will also be that which is already permitted in heaven. What you're doing is you're releasing the will of God that God already had in heavenly places onto this earth by speaking out his word, by having authority. But you can't have authority just by reading Jesus out of a book or knowing him as, well, that, that's kind of what I believe or a faith. No, it's having Jesus. He's, he's Lord to me. He's Savior to me. He's the Son of God in my life. He's been revealed to me, and I become solid. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, and I've been given authority in uh, Remember, Jesus said to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. He said, when you pray, pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. 
That's what we're doing. We're just praying the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. I remember in my life when I realized that I had authority. I lived a number of years in life uh, as a believer, and I would pray the weakest prayers. In fact, I'm, I'm kind of ashamed of them, you know, because I'd say, oh, God, I don't really know what to even pray right now. And, oh, the devil's attack. Oh, I'm just going through this. Oh, God. It was almost like I was a news reporter just saying how bad my life was with the Lord. Or I, I just hope, God, I just hope you'd come through for me. Oh, God, I just pray that you, I mean, it, honestly, if I could go back and, and listen into those prayers, there were some pretty sad, sad prayers. Why? Because I didn't know I had any authority in Jesus' name. I didn't know the word of God. I didn't know the will of God. And so I was just saying, oh, God, whatever you want. Oh, God. And that's not a bad prayer to pray whatever you want. But God doesn't want us just to pray that. God wants us to pray with authority. He wants us to pray his will, whatever's happening in heaven, that it would be done on earth. Why? Because we have the keys of the kingdom. We're trusted by God. When someone hands you the keys to their house, or nowadays, you know, the code to their house, it's they're saying, I trust you. When Jesus hands us the keys of the kingdom, what is he saying? He's saying, I trust you. I trust you to bind and to loose and to pray and to use your spiritual authority here on earth and watch things happen. Jesus closes all this conversation by saying to his, to his disciples, I thought something very interesting. You know, you'd think he would say, hey, isn't this a powerful revelation? I want you to go tell everybody. You know what he said? He said, don't tell anyone about what we just talked about. Isn't that interesting? Don't tell anybody about it. I think the reason why he was saying it was because he realized flesh and blood is not what, uh, what gives you the realization of who Jesus is. Only the Spirit of God can draw you. Only the Spirit of God. Only heaven can open your eyes up to be able to see who Jesus really is. And it'll be life-changing to you. Let me just wrap up by saying one more time. Who is Jesus to you? I think it's an, the most important question that you could ever ask. Who is Jesus to you? And the greatest revelation of your life is knowing who Jesus really is. Developing a relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important thing in your life. Not just a concept. It's a person. It's not just a faith. It's a person. It's not just a belief. Jesus is not just a belief. Jesus is not just an image or a piece of history. Jesus is a person who wants to have a daily relationship with you and I. You know, we have uh, these prayer guides at church. And in these prayer guides, in fact, if you uh, attend Memphis Tabernacle, you can come grab one. They won't cost you anything. But here on page 56, I love this section because it says praying for those who need God. Praying for those who need God. And as I begin to look at this, even this last week, I want to challenge you to Begin to find people who don't know Jesus. I don't mean don't know who Jesus is, but I'm talking about who really don't know the person Jesus. But can I challenge you that since we're starting this series right now, that you start by praying this over you. Because I don't know how long you've known Jesus for. I don't know if you're far from him or close to him. I don't know if you've just met him or you've known him for decades. I believe that you can know him even more. And more importantly, he wants to know you even more. He wants to draw closer to you in your heart. Some of the prayers, and I'm just going to uh, uh, lead you through this, but I want you to do this. Let's pray it over our own life, and then would you find someone, ask the Lord 
for someone to pray for that doesn't know Jesus and begin to pray for them over these next weeks. The Lord may give you one person, two people, and put it on your heart, write it down, write their name down, and begin to pray for them that they would get to know Jesus. Why? It's the, it's the greatest thing that anyone could ever uh, know, the greatest person anyone could ever know, and that's Jesus. And one day, like you may have heard the saying before, the only thing we can take to heaven is people. Can't take things. We can't take our achievements. We can't take our life savings. We can't take our accomplishments. The only thing we can take to heaven is people. And Jesus wants to know people. And it says in the book of 1 Timothy that he doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants all to come to repentance. So let's begin to pray. Uh, The first question here, or the first thing to pray and praying for those who don't know God, ask the Father to draw them to Jesus. I want you to stop and pray with me right now. Would you pray it over your own life? Say, Jesus, would you draw me? Father, would you draw me to Jesus? Would you open my heart so that I can know Jesus more? The second thing is he says, bind the spirit that blinds their eyes. Because in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says, the God of this age has blinded their, the minds of unbelievers. Let's pray this. Father, I pray that my eyes would be opened to be able to see Jesus more clearly, the person of Jesus. And Lord, the person that I'm praying for right now, open their eyes so that they can see Jesus. The third thing is pray that they would have a personal relationship with God. Why? Because it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, the spirit that we've received is not one that makes you slaves, but it's a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The word Abba is just Daddy. And let's pray that today. Lord, I pray that we would have a personal relationship with you. I pray that the people we're praying for would have a personal relationship with you so that they can have the intimacy of calling out to Abba, Father, calling out to their Savior, Jesus. And then pray for believers to cross their paths. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, he said, ask the Lord of the harvest, Therefore, to send workers out into the harvest field. You know, you may feel like you're the only one who's telling someone about the Lord, but the Lord's got a whole slew of people around them. So just pray. Let's pray right now. Father, I pray for those who are far away from you, loved ones who are far away from you, that you would send people to tell them the gospel, to share with them the love of God so that they would know Jesus better. And last of all, Number five says, release the spirit of wisdom and revelation on them so that they may know God better. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter one. Lord, I pray for not only, not just mental revelation or mental knowledge, but I pray for spiritual revelation for every person that's watching, every person that's listening, and every person that we're praying for right now, that you would open their hearts up to know Jesus so that they can know you in a more personal way and real and intimate way, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you don't know Jesus, would you just pray this with me today? Mean it with your heart. Say, Jesus, I open my heart up to you. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. I call myself a believer and a friend of Jesus. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.